Welcome to Inspire K-12, a weekly podcast that aims to give teachers tips, tricks, and inspiration for their classrooms in 12 minutes or less. I'm your host, Ann Coates. In these episodes, I'll bring you professional triumphs and tribulations, innovative technologies, and good old-fashioned teacher chat. So come with me and let's get inspired. Hey there, listener. Welcome back to Inspire K-12. I hope you're doing well. Today's focus is going to be on collaboration and what that looks like as we get students into these 21st century skills and how you can go from the boring, mundane group work to powerful collaboration activities for your students or your staff if you are a staff trainer. So let's delve right into it. I recently created a workshop on how to create these powerful collaboration activities. So I'm going to give you some of the highlights of that workshop, and I'll post in the show notes um, my slideshow so you can really delve deep if you'd like. So the way I present it is that there are five steps to creating powerful collaboration activities for our students. Step one, craft your goals. Step two, organize your groups. Step three, select your digital tools. Step four, teach students to plan and stay organized. And lastly, step five, check student contributions. So essentially, you want to start with you. So you want to ask yourself, how has collaboration helped you grow as a professional? When my students have worked in groups, what has made it a valuable learning experience in my classroom? What tools, digital or otherwise, do I use for student collaboration that have been successful or not successful? So that's preliminary. Now let's get into the five steps. Step one, as in any learning experience, you need to set goals for your students. Begin with the end in mind, the learning goal. Good lesson design, complete with learning goals and activities, is essential to making collaboration work. If you and your students don't know where you're going, you're not going to be able to get there. Step two is to take a look at the students you are going to have in front of you and organize your groups. I really feel like our elementary brethren have a really good handle on how to create powerful learning groups for our students. Maybe it's because they're with students for most of the day, or maybe it's because the focus for teamwork has been at the elementary level for so many years. But whatever it is, I have noticed that when I go into my own children's classrooms, their teachers know who works well and who can create goals and who can get through the roadmap to achieve those goals best together. And so I like to take a page out of their teacher's handbook, if you will. So group selection is key. You can do one of two things. You can have students self-select, which is really quite valuable for especially older students, juniors and seniors in high school, who are really looking to sort of work and know their strengths and weaknesses and know their friends' strengths and weaknesses and things like that. But you can also assign. 
And you can assign in so many different ways. I have created groups in any number of different ways when it comes to me assigning the groups. I've done personality. I've done gender balance. I've done grade balance. I've done what I look at as their effort balance. I've had medium workers with lower level workers. I've had high level students with other high level students. So really I've done it all different ways. And I find that the best groups are those groups who click well personality-wise. I know that sounds strange, but as a psych teacher, there is a lot to be said for putting students together who are sort of having the same personality traits that are complementary, not actually the same identically, but really complementary to one another. So someone who may be on the creative end working with someone who is really well organized, for example. So group selection is key. Ask yourself, what are the best ways to organize groups based on my learning goals? If you just want a quick turn and talk as part of a collaboration piece in your classroom, that's different than if you're assigning a long-term project. So you really have to ask yourself, what are my goals and how are the groups going to best serve my goals? Step three, and you'll notice that it's step three and not step one, is to now select the digital goal the digital tool to meet your goal. So you can have any number of digital tools that we have out there. I am really partial as a Google trainer to the G Suite apps. Um, Luckily, all the G Suite apps provide for instant real-time collaboration. You can share out the docs, the slideshows, what have you. Students can work together asynchronously, synchronously, whatever you so want for them. Um, But then you can do a little app smash Um, And all that means is you're putting different apps together to get towards that goal. So, for example, um, HyperDocs is a great ultimate app smash because you're putting together all all the different Google apps. But you can certainly incorporate things like Flipgrid, Adobe Spark, Padlet, uh, Google Expeditions, even those all sort of work together. And then, of course, there is the workflow. You have to decide how you're going to give out the assignment and then collect it, and then post it for an authentic audience if that is part of your learning goals. So for those of us on Google Classroom, the workflow is really straightforward. You can post it, make a copy for every kid, make a copy for every group, assign different groups that way using the features on Google Classroom. Um, But you can do hard copies and give folders. That works as well, too. That way they have a hard copy in front of them on on what it's going to look like. So your your step three is choosing the digital tools slash digital goals you're going to do for the project. Step four is to teach kids to plan and stay organized. And I think one of the greatest ways we can do that is to make good use of our free G Suite apps. So a little known or little used G Suite app that is really helpful in keeping kids organized is Google Keep. Students can use the Keep Notepad feature to create a to-do list or to take notes for research. The notes can be shared among their group members, so everybody has it in their Google Keep. That's one way to look at it. Um, You can use Google Forms, create a form for each group that will allow students to submit their contributions, and then those contributions all get populated into one spreadsheet for you to be able to look at and assess and, you know, give feedback on. And lastly, you can use Google Sheets, right, go right to the Google Sheets and create columns with tasks and due dates and general notes for each group and then assign that to each group. 
Of course, Google Calendar helps students to stay organized by creating events on the calendars and then having students work towards like mini goals throughout the project or collaborating activity. You can keep a task list on Google Calendar. So there are countless ways to use the calendar feature. I'll post some samples to get you started so you can sort of see how that might look. Now, your last step after students have worked through and you've given feedback and they've learned to plan and stay organized, your step five is to check student contributions. And so it's really quite amazing how once they know you're going to be checking their contributions, it happens a lot that they then are putting in so much effort when they know that you can see what they have individually done. And I love that about um, checking the contribution. So the first thing I use is the revision history. This is especially helpful if students are creating a shared uh, slide deck or shared Google Doc, because you can go through and you can click on each area of the revision in the revision history and see who has done what and when. And you can go back and forth and you can see each, each layer of the a project, which is super helpful to see who's contributing, who isn't, who's done what, so that you can have an, a good idea of who is learning and communicating really well or might need some more suggestions. And the other piece I use to check student contributions is the comments feature. Have students communicate via the comments feature with one another as they're um, completing their project or activity. This feature keeps what we what I call an evergreen list of their contributions, meaning that it never goes away. It's always there. You can always go to the comments tab in um, any of the Google pro uh, products and you'll be able to see who has commit, uh, commented and on what. And then you can provide the comments to the students. Um, even when the comments are resolved, they still appear in the comments feature and they're permanent to that doc. A lot of students think if they resolve the comments, then you don't have to, they don't, you don't see them, they don't see them anymore. And that's true, you don't see them on the doc or the slideshow, for example, but you could click on the comments feature and it will show you a running list. So to recap, you want to take your step first, start with your goal in mind. What do you want students to know and be able to do? You want to form the groups with forethought, not just willy-nilly the day of the project. That can be tricky for some people, but it, even though it takes an extra few minutes to assign groups or to figure out how the groups are going to be formed, it is well worth the learning and the classroom management goals. Next, select your tool that you're going to use for collaboration. Really key because you want students to be having rich collaboration throughout the project or activity. Then teach students how to plan and organize. And then lastly, you check for contributions and you decide how you want to assess. That's a key piece too. If you want to assess based on just contributions, that's fine. If you want to give two grades, contributions versus um, an assessment of what they've actually learned, that's fine too. One or the other or both. You decide. And that will start with step one, your learning goal for the, for the students. So I hope you've had um, some good ideas given to you here that you can use as you move forward trying to teach and assess student collaboration activities and projects. Until next time.
Thank you for listening to Inspire K-12. I hope you got some inspiration to carry you through your day. If you love the podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, get inspired.